Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 21 for our study this evening. So as we get toward the end of Matthew, as it is in the book of Revelation, as we've been coming to the end chapters, as concluding thoughts, the thoughts in Revelation, wrapping up the whole of Revelation of the, the Word of God in Matthew, the Lord's coming to the end of his ministry and he's wrapping up some things and he's getting very pointed. <laughs> he's nailing it on the head. These religious leaders particular, it's like he knows his time is near. He knows he's going to go to the cross. And doing what he's done is just stirring these religious people to a frenzied hatred of him. What he's done in the temple, what he did in the temple, what he's going to say to them. And it's like he's, he's, he's giving three parables we're going to be looking, well, one tonight, be, be looking at him as we go through. And he, he's not even like taking a breath between parables. So he, he, he doesn't let them intervene in what he's saying. And it's all applied directly to them. And we can tonight take away some good thoughts for our own lives from this, this first parable. We've um, <clears throat> we looked at this crisis that's developing. It's not a crisis. It's all according to the Lord's will. God and the Lord Jesus knew, the Father and the Son knew, and the Holy Spirit that this was going to be. That's why he came. But it's a crisis as far as the nation of Israel is concerned. Uh, we see the sign of the fruit, fruitless fig tree. The sign we saw of the foretold triumph as he marched into Jerusalem in chapter 21 verses 1 to 17 the, as he, the Palm Sunday as we call it then sign of the fruitless fig tree we looked at last time the Lord coming to the tree when it was, where it was, why it was and what it was we looked at and then the Lord cursing the tree in verse 19 and uh, the Lord's comment on the tree and we'll be mentioning the fig tree and the vine and different ones as we get into the study for tonight. But we pick up our study in verse 23 of chapter 21 of Matthew. <clears throat> well, let's go and read the conclusion to the fig tree in verse 21. We read there, 21, 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if ye have faith, and doubt not, and shall ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. We concluded with that last time. Now, you see, some people go off here really bad. Well, I can ask anything and I'll get it. No, <laughs> anything according to his will. Huh. And that narrows it down a lot in this world in which we live. You have the prosperity preachers that preach that, you know, you'll, you'll only be blessed. And there'll be no troubles come. But then I read Matthew, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 of the heroes of faith. And what did they have? <laughs> trouble, trouble, trouble. All that live godly in this world shall suffer persecution. Now, you'll be blessed in that, uh, the refining fire that we just sung. You'll be blessed through the persecution. 
And the devil will throw everything at you to try to dissuade you and persuade you not to keep following the Lord. And haven't you found that? Increasingly so. But it's something we, in prayer, we need to ask and, and be persistent like the lady that come. And the king said, well, I'm going to just answer her request. She's pestering me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer often, many times, all the time. In little things and big things. In things that haven't been answered for, that we, are, we know is within his, the frame of his will. Go to the Lord in prayer. We need to be praying. We need to pray. We, and you, over in the little room there, the men meet and pray before the morning service. Meet with them if you can, men, and pray for the preaching of the word of God. Verse 23, And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things? Who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where was it? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say from men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. And then Jesus answered and said, We cannot tell. And they answered, sorry, Jesus, and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? And this is where he launches into these three parables you can follow up. This is the first, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said the same, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and he went not. Which of them twain did the will of, the, of the, his father? <clears throat> they say unto him, The first. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. And so this is the parable we have for ourselves tonight. <laughs> um, I've outlined this, causes. What caused these parables to come upon Israel? Why did the fig tree wither? And who is the fig tree a picture of? The nation of Israel. Why did it wither? And it can be our personal lives. Why do we wither? Well, we might have the same problem that these religious people had here. And so <clears throat> the parable of responsibility about obedience and its reward is the parable of the two sons. And we could ask, which son are you? Which son am I in this parable we have here? And the other, next parable will be the parable of retribution. And the third one will be the parable of rejection, starting with verse 1 of 22. So these three parables are directed Israel's sin of rejecting the Lord and rejecting the offer of his kingdom. The first parable is an answer to the Sanhedrin's challenging Christ's right to do and teach what he did. By what authority? And so the context of the parable, the Lord's authority. And if you, you can mark it there in verse 23, 
twice the word authority is used, verse 24, and, and once in verse 27. And so it's about authority. <laughs> and the demand of the temple authorities here in verse 23, um, and he, when he was coming to the temple, chief priests, elders came and said unto him, as he was teaching, he said, by what authority? The Lord had called these leaders a den of thieves back in verse 13. They had vested interest in what was going on in the temple, in the financial profitability of the temple. Remember, there was up to 200,000 sacrifices given on certain days. There was a lot of money. This was a marketplace. And they turned it into that. And uh, the trading that was going on there... The, that the, the worship of God, that the offering of sacrifices for the covering of sins, they weren't thinking about that. And we need to be very careful not to get wrapped up in, in the financial thing that is, is, is earthly. The, money is the, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some having coveted after, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Don't let it overcome as these people, these religious people, let it overcome and cloud their thinking. Uh, <clears throat> the people loved, the common people loved the Lord's style here. He spoke as one that had authority in verse 29. <laughs> the leaders were afraid of the Lord's power and his wisdom, his influence over the people. They flocked to him. He could get his thousands and they get a few in the synagogue. And the jealousy of these people kept rising and the hatred for the Lord kept getting worse. They tried to discredit him. They tried to catch him out in his words. They tried to kill him at times. Their power, authority and money source was being eroded by the Lord. People were attending less to them and listening less to them and they were hanging on every word of the Lord Jesus Christ, some of the common people. Huh. And this official delegation from the Sanhedrin came in force and the chief priest, the elders of the people, came and said this to him. And so the these people from the Sanhedrin, and they've got that over there now. They've got it all organised. They've got the outfits for these people that are going to be in the new Sanhedrin in Israel. <laughs> these people had seen great miracles. They'd heard the Hosanna of the, as the people shouted, the common people shouted as he came up on Palm Sunday. They saw the cleansing of the temple and how everybody fled before the Lord as he made that whip and, and drove the money changers out. They had heard unbelievable words from the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard parables they'd never heard before. They heard great teachings. And none could refute him. Yet they confronted him instead of crowning him. By what authority dost thou these things? Don't you think about that question and to whom they asked that. By what authority dost thou these things? Now, people might challenge your authority when you tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, how do you know? What authority? Hey, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? They were saying, like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are coming onto our turf and preaching what you're preaching? You put yourself in their position and they're, ch they're being challenged and they're losing out and how the Lord is rising in popularity and people listening, the common people, of course, not the religious people. By what authority does thou? 
He wasn't for their system, he wasn't out of their school, he wasn't taught by Gamaliel or whoever was the big teacher of that day, the big wig. <laughs> he didn't get their permission. Who do you think you are? Well, let's think about who do you think you are? <laughs> by what authority dost thou these things? Who was Jesus? <laughs> God of gods, Lord of lords, who has lived for all eternity. Creator of the universe. The infinite one. The almighty, the omniscient one, the omnipotent one. And what's the other one? The three omnipresent one, that's it. He is the God of forever. He made the world. And, and the scientists today, the evolutionists today challenge us. Who do you think you are saying you have authority? We have authority, they say. We have the answers. We are scientists. You're unknowledgeable. And I love in different creation, maga the magazine there, that they, they, they give the different opportunities for people who are professors in universities who are Christians. And the answers they give to those that are about them and the challenge they, they give out. And the more they study, the more the detail comes out and the more wonderful they see the God of heaven, his hand in creation, but they will not recognize it. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm the son of God, the son of David, the saviour of mankind, the living sacrifice, the living word, the living water. They all who were in that day now know who he was, don't they? They've gone out into eternity and now they know who he was. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they'd recognised him for who he was down here and humbled themselves and we can take we can take that to heart too. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord, recognising who he is. What? Know ye not? Ye are not your own. You are brought with a price. He's talking to Christians. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, which are not yours. They're his. He owns them. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> we see these, the demand of the temple authorities. We see, secondly, the dilemma of the temple authorities in verse 24. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. And so the proposal is given. Jesus answered their question with a question. His question really answers their question. He had them, he had them on the horns of a true dilemma, didn't he? And every time that these people, the lawyers and the, the smartest ones amongst them, came and asked questions of the Lord Jesus, trying to ensnare and entrap him. He gave an answer that just turned it on them, didn't he? Because of who he was. Who do you think you are? Can't you tell by the answers I give who I am? Send somebody a little bit more smarter than, than the last guy and see if you can... No, the Lord didn't put, say it like that. But he did put them in their place, didn't he? So there's the proposal the Lord gave to them and he put them on the horns of a dilemma then the the problem they had not accepted john's message nor his ministry he he john had called them a generation of vipers in chapter 3 and verse 7 but the people the people held john as a a prophet a martyred prophet and what could they say they could say nothing uh, i will ask you one thing which if you tell me i'll tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where was it? And <laughs> you can hear the religious people, oh, no, 
<laughs> we know where he's going with this one. He's got us again. <laughs> because here's the crowd holding John in esteem, a prophet, a martyred prophet. <laughs> what are they going to do? How are they going to answer this question? They can't answer it. If they do, they incriminate themselves. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the guys with the smarts in lawyers and barristers and solicitors and those sort of chaps, are they, the, <laughs> if you're in a place like that, you have to have your wits about you. <laughs> Is it, remember John Contista? John Contista, public prosecutor. He, was, he got saved as a clerk of the court in Albury. Then he moved to Walgar as a public prosecutor. And he said it's really, really hard. He said, I don't want to be a solicitor that justifies criminals, but I want to be a prosecutor in nailing the crooks. <clears throat> but he said, you've got three or four cases a day. You have to remember the, everybody in the case. And he said, if you slip up with one word, they get off. And I think it was seen just a day or two ago, some crook got off because of one or two words. And it's just not justice being done. And uh, <clears throat> so he, he, he endeavours to, and it's, it, it really is going to wear his mind out quickly because he's putting so much into remembering all these cases to prosecute people that come as guilty people and not to say something wrong. Well, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus never said a word out of place. But the, he, could, he could get these people on the horns, horns of the dilemma they could say nothing, for they feared the people. And John had also <clears throat> declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God. So you see, what are they going to say? <laughs> I'll tell you if you tell me. And so the dilemma of the temple authorities, and thirdly we see the decision of the temple authorities. In verse 27, oh, <clears throat> we'll look at the question there. The baptism of John, from where was it? From heaven or men? They reason with themselves, saying, if we shall say... From heaven, we will, he will say to us, why didn't you believe him? True. <laughs> if we shall say from men, <laughs> what were they scared of? The people. Um, they feared the faces of men. They feared the popularity they'd lose. They, fear, they feared the, the money they wouldn't get in the temple treasury or the synagogue. For they hold John as a prophet. From men, we fear the people, for they hold John as a prophet. And, and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell... And he answered, he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do this. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Can't you get it? Even the babes and <laughs> little ones can get the message. So the decision that they made there. Now the content of the parable that this leads into. Verse 28. And this is where the Lord started the three parables. Why think ye? A certain man. So we have the leader's accountability here. The Lord's motive for giving this parable was love. Love toward those lost, blind, bitter, worldly, unscrupulous, self-seeking, deluded members of the Sanhedrin. It shows God's grace, doesn't it? Israel, for 2,000 years, has rejected, flown in the face of God with all that he's taken them through. Took them through the Holocaust, six million. Still, they have not recognized Jesus. They're still as hard as ever, and I think it's, it's reaching a crescendo. <laughs> There's many people telling them, telling them, telling them. Their best friends are fundamental Christians. <laughs> That's their best friends. 
because we know what they've done and where, where it's all going to end. And the Lord loved them. He saw they had a, a zeal without the knowledge of the Lord, as it says in Romans. Uh, so this and the next parable about the vineyard. You can speak it and read about it in Isaiah 5. The vineyard represents Israel as they're in their rejection or up to their rejection. The fig tree represents Israel presently withered. The olive tree represents Israel when they turn to the Lord and become fruitful in Romans 11, verse 17 and 24. So how appropriate the parable is in these, in these verses we have. The Lord's application was devastating to the, to the nation here or to the religious leaders. And John had come in the way of righteousness, but you rejected him. They were more rebellious than the publicans and harlots. They go to heaven before you go, as the Lord said here. What a <laughs> If you were a religious leader of that day and someone said that to you, you'd clench your fist or you'd humble yourself and say, he's right. <laughs> most, of them, most of them said, no, he's wrong. And they got so upset. You can see how inflamed they got when you read through the book of Acts. When when Paul and others spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ, they just, and they, until a word, you know, like Stephen, when he, they stoned him, until a certain word, and he started nailing them and saying, you've done it, you did this, you crucified the Messiah, then they just, they, <laughs> it reminds me of the bull in the paddock when we, we had black poles in the farm, black pole cows, bulls, and they, they, all of them the same. I think they get their, front leg and they pull the dirt up and dust goes up everywhere and they, and the other guy is facing off on him and they're pouring it in and then it's on and I used to just sit and watch them not get involved and and they go for hours banging heads and this is what these people were like it just so angry and upset that the Lord was nailing them for their religious beliefs that wasn't getting them to heaven at all so the content of the parable, the leader's accountability, the, how appropriate this parable was for them. The two sons. We see the final position of the first son in verse 28 and 29. A certain man had two sons and came to the first and said, Son, go to work in my vineyard. And what did he say? I will not. Wow, flagrant disobedience. But afterward, he thought about, this is my dad. He's fed me, he's kept me, and I'll do it. Have you ever had that happen to you as a child of uh, parents? <laughs> that afterward, oh, I really should have obeyed them. And if you don't, then somewhere in your life, you're going to have to face the fact that you must obey your parents. The Bible commands it. Ephesians chapter 6. Ask the children, they all know where it is. And... Um, <clears throat> They repented and went. And aren't parents' hearts moved when the, the children turn and do the right thing? It blesses the heart of their parents when they see that happening. Even if it's some years later, but it would be good to do it right away. <laughs> Came to the second and said, to the, said the same and he answered and said, I go, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Dad. I'll go and do it. 
<coughs> it's showing the hearts of these sons, isn't it, here? So there's the final possession of the first son. What did he say? I will not, but he did. Which one did the father's will? The first or the second? The first. He's the one that said, I won't, but he did. Not the second who said he would and he didn't. Now, think about it. This is He's talking to these Jews, to the religious leaders. They've gathered and challenging his authority. And now they're... <coughs> They've been likened by the Lord to two sons. Which son is Israel in this parable? As you look down there, the first one or the second one? The second one. The second one is the son, is representing Israel. I go and they go not. Let's turn to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, chapter 19 and verse 8. And as I said to start with, Let's make application to our own lives. And we'll do that when we finish tonight. From, from a couple of different scriptures. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 8. There we read, in Moses is giving the law and, and all the people are listening. Now, verse 5, you shall obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. Then shall ye be peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. I make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That almost sounds <laughs> repeated in the New Testament. Quoted. But then verse 8. And all the people answered and gathered and said, All that the Lord has spoken. What did they say? We will do. It's like that son. <laughs> yes, we will go. Yes, we will do it. And over and over again. This is repeated. If you go to chapter 24 and verse 3, as Moses is speaking to the people, commanding them, and this is the covenant, we might say, with the Mosaic covenant. These are the laws. Are you going to keep them, Israel? You see, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. And he's, he can, in future prophets, they can look back and say, well, you said you would in your forefathers, but you haven't. In chapter 24... And verse 3, we read there in Exodus, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord <clears throat> and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, what did they say? All the words which the Lord hath done, we will do. This, he is their father and they're saying, yes, father, we will go. Just like in the parable there. Verse 7. Of, the, of Exodus 24. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of these people and all that the Lord has said, what did they say? We will do. So three times here, and that's only a few of the ones I've chosen from what could be said. We will do. And so this is a false profession of the second son. It's likened to Israel. All that the Lord has said, we will do. Let's go to the book of Zechariah and see what happened when they didn't do what they said they would do. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 7. And folk, if we say to the Lord, I will go. Yes, Father, I will surrender to your will, and we go not. We're in trouble. And this is the trouble they got into. Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 11. Second last minor prophet, isn't it? Somewhere there. 
7:11, Zechariah. But they refused to hearken. They pulled away the shoulder, stopped their ears, that they should not hear. They made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in, by he, sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it has come to pass, as, as, as he cried, they would not hear. So they cried, and he would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. This is what happens when you're disobedient to your Father who is in heaven. This is what happened to Israel. So we see the result of rebellion. <clears throat> Let's turn again to Zechariah chapter 10. Here they are remembering the Lord. Zechariah 10 and verse 9. They've realized as a nation they've done the wrong thing back there. And they remembered the Lord and his purposes. In verse 9 and 10 of chapter 10. And I will sow them among the peoples. They shall remember me in far countries. And they shall live with their children and turn again. They turn again. Back to the Lord. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt, gather them out of Assyria, and I'll bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon, and place, and place shall not be found for them. God will bring them back home. God will bring to the them to the place of blessing. In verse 11, And he shall pass through the sea with affliction, and shall smite the waves of the sea, and all the deeps of the river shall dry up, and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. And I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. If we remember and turn back to the Lord. Look, a person can say, yes I will, and do not, but they can turn back <coughs> to the Lord. The Lord is the, the God of second chances for people. Not all the time, he doesn't have to, but he can. And can do that, and he will do that for Israel. And so we turn to Zechariah chapter 12 now and verse 10. And it reads there, I'll pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is in Zechariah still. The spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And they shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They shall turn back. They will recognize the Lord Jesus. The first time when he was speaking to them in Matthew, they were, the religious leaders were no, and they were stirring up the people to crucify him, and they did do that. But one day they will come to the point of remembering and repenting of the position that they have and turn back to the Lord. Verse 6 and 8 of Zechariah 13 and verse 9. And God will reinstate them into their position. Now, in Matthew, we're talking about a literal nation, Israel. We are thinking of that in a way it can apply to, to ourselves. How the application of the parable was. The contrast, he contrasted, the Lord did with them with the harlots. If you go back into Matthew 21, and remember, there's an application for us too. We'll finish in that with that in a minute. In verse 31, which of them twain did the... Father's will, they said unto him the first. Logical. That's easy to see. 
Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and harlots go to the kingdom of God before you. That was a barb to the heart, wasn't it? John came unto you. You see, he's referring back to the, the question earlier, the dispute about John. If we say John was from heaven, we're in trouble. So he's referring back to him. In, in the way of righteousness he came to you, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward. Look, see, God, God gave them opportunity. <laughs> they had the opportunity. They said no. You could have repented afterward, but you didn't, that you might believe on him, and they didn't. And so <clears throat> hard-heartedness seems to keep on getting worse and worse. Uh, a road to ret ret not retribution, reprobation, <laughs> reprobation. To become a how to become a reprobate. Hard on your heart. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter five. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter five. You may know it already. <laughs> We've read it a lot of times. It seems over the times of preach. And he said here, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Listen to what he's saying. Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God in heaven is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. Remember back the parable, the two sons, one was rash and said, I'll go. And he went not. He was rash with his mouth. He uttered something before God. He made a promise to his father. Just as the Israelis, the Jewish nation, did whack back with Moses, as we looked at. For a dreamer cometh through, for a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. If you've made a promise to God, like the son said, I go and go not, God holds you accountable. Young people, you've been at camp. You made a decision. You were challenged of the Lord. Your heart was moved by the Spirit of God and you said what? I will. What have you done with it? You're like that son that said, I go, and he went not. God knows your heart. God knows what you've said. God knows how he moved in your heart. Are you keeping your promises to God? See, no sense making a promise and make it and break it, you're in trouble. This is what this parable is teaching us. Israel, great trouble. Thousands of years of trouble. Holocaust trouble. Because they didn't do what they said they would do. Don't even make the vow. Better not to have said it. In verse, yeah, verse 5 reads in Ecclesiastes 5. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say before the angel, it was an error. Oh, I made a mistake. When you know it wasn't. You know that God was moving in your life. Are you keeping your promises to God? Maybe it's a promise of reading the Bible. 
Maybe it's a promise of memorizing scripture. You've made the promise to the Father, but you haven't kept it. Maybe it's a promise of having devotions. Maybe it's a promise, young people, of, of I will obey mum and dad no matter what it seems to me to be, how it seems to be right or wrong. I'm just going to obey. Maybe it's a promise to go into God's work and ministry. Made a vow. Not kept it. It's, it, it. It talks about fools that make those sort of vows. Have you kept your vow? One more passage and we close this in Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 into chapter 4. Hebrews 3. Again, we're going back to the nation of Israel in this portion of Scripture. Hebrews 3, <clears throat> verse 7. Wherefore the Holy Ghost saith today, if you'll hear his voice. You know, people, if, if we hear God speaking through his word, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of trial in the wilderness when Israel was in the wilderness, a day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. What does the Lord think of you and me? Where, where, where are we at? They do. Are we always erring in our heart? You know, the Lord forgives. He knows we're human. We do make mistakes. We do sin. He's willing to forgive us. But are we even seeking his forgiveness? Are we confessing our sins? So I swore, the Lord said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They won't make it to Canaan. They won't have the spiritual blessings they could have if they'd just obeyed. Take heed. Now he's talking to believers. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What a picture of the two sons. <laughs> but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through what? What is it that deceives us? What is it that gets us offline? Sin, sin, sin. <laughs> and sins of the flesh, the sins in this world. For we are made partakers of, the, of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. That's over there in the wilderness. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? That's what happens to the hard-hearted person. That's what happened to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, these Sadducees, the Herodians and all of them. They fell in this world and they didn't, they went out into eternity unsaved. To whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. Folks, let's believe. Let's obey. Let's do the second Sunday. Okay, we might have said, no, I'm not going to do that. At least you haven't made a vow and broken it. <laughs> You, you can break that vow. <laughs> you can break the vow that I'm not going to do it and then go and do it. <laughs> and God wants us to obey. So we, could, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And in chapter 4 it reads, you can read on for about 12 more verses about the rest we can have when we obey the Lord. You, know, you, can, you can lie down at night and say, I've done your will. I've fulfilled your purpose. And every day is a challenge to do his will, to fulfill your promises. To say, yes, I'll go and go. 
and not hold back. The, the best would be, yes, I go and go and do it. <laughs> That's the best. That would be the son that the Lord is, is pleased with. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children, are your sons and daughters, Lord. We can walk in your way. We can please you. We can take steps of faith. We, Lord, <laughs> can be the sons that will say, yes, sir, Yes, Father, I go and keep our vows and promises and don't grow hard-hearted, but are soft and tender to the speaking of the Holy Spirit through the Word and, Lord, constantly walking in obedience. Lord, make us that way, break us if we have hard hearts or, Lord, if there are young people here, they're just beginning to get a hard heart. May they not go down that pathway where increasingly increasingly grows hard and and they can, can go into reprobation and it's almost like irreversible damage done in their spiritual life. Very hard to turn around and come back. Gone the wrong way for so long. They get into a habit of sin. Lord, reach down and touch their hearts that they may turn and follow after you. And afterward repent and Lord, do and be used of you. Do your will. Bless us as we go our way in these last days in which we live. In Jesus' name. Amen.